Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here. Whether you're here in the room with us, whether you're joining us online, whether you have flown in from far away without telling anybody, uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. That, uh, we like to start that way because it reminds us that God really does meet us right here, right where we are. Whatever you're going through, whatever life brings, uh, whether you're cheering for the Bengals or cheering for the Packers or whatever. I see some people already out there, my wife, giving you guys grief for your <laughs> Bengals attire. But, uh, what's that? I don't have any idea. I don't pay attention to football. I only know they're playing because they showed up like this. So, um, But wherever we are and whatever we carry with us into this moment, God meets us right here. A Psalm of David, Psalm 108. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises with all my heart. Wake up, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens, and may your glory shine over all the earth. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do exalt you. You are truly higher than all the heavens, higher above anything on earth. Lord, your faithfulness and your love is immeasurable and we can never fully grasp or understand it. And Lord, it's that faithfulness and love that we depend on as we come to you today, gathered here together as family in this room and, and through our online presence, Lord. Folks who are watching now or folks who may watch later, we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. Lord, as we come to you this morning, some of us, many of us come with cares and concerns and hurts and sorrows, Lord, but we also come into your presence with joys and victories and blessings that come only from you. We thank you for all of them. We give you praise in the midst of all of them. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would bless this time together, that you would bless Pastor Rich as he brings your word to us this morning. Lord, there is no greater God above you there is no one else worthy of any of the praise that we can give, no one but you. And so we do. We honor you, we bless you, we glorify you. And we pray these things in your holy, holy name. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you. <laughs> Go ahead and wave at each other across the room, still, for a little while longer. And as you're doing that... <laughs> I didn't forget him. He's going to be coming up here um, as soon as he's done saying hello. And he's going to share some announcements with us and then bring us the word that the Lord has given him this morning. Thank you very much, Pastor Judy. And thank you to the Svelbar family. It's good to have you guys back. We're glad to, glad to have you guys leading us again. Um, with, uh, with different schedules and things going on, it's not always possible for us to have... Uh, uh, the, well, there, there are gaps, there are moments. We've missed you. That's all I'm trying to say. All right. It's good to have you back. Uh, if you're, whether you're here with us in the room or whether you're connecting with us online, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. 
and that takes you to this little digital connect card uh, that you can let us know you're with us today and uh, how we can pray for you or thank God with you or you can ask a question, you can write us a haiku, whatever it is you want to, to communicate, you can do that on that little digital connect card. Uh, if you're here in the room, there are little green cards back by the offering box. You can uh, use those the same way if you'd rather do it old school with a pen and paper. And uh, we would love to pray for you, connect with you, answer any questions you might have. Uh, also, if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box as well uh, or online. You can go to livinghope.info slash give and you can give online like so many of us do. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. And if you are giving online, then you can hit that little drop down box and give to Habitat. Uh, if, you don't, if you just give to the general fund, that goes to uh, all the everyday uh, mission work, ministry work that happens here at the church. Thank you to those who continue to give generously. And thank you we've, uh, to those who've given to Habitat. I think we're, I just checked this morning, we're up to just over $3,400 that's been given so far. Uh, we're hoping to hit six because there's someone that's willing to match the first 6000 uh, that we give. So that would be nice to get all of that matching dollars. So if you want to give to Habitat, now's a good time to do it. Uh, if you're here in the room, you can just write Habitat on an envelope and, and drop the gift in there. Uh, or online, again, just hit the little drop down to give to the Habitat Fund. And uh, we do have this Friday uh, another build day happening. And uh, I'm told it might be full. Uh, she's saying it's full. Okay, so this Friday, never mind. Don't show up Friday. It's full. Unless you already signed up, already RSVP'd, then please show up. Um, uh, they're going to have lots of fun. But, uh, but Sam is back there telling me that uh, we can add another day. So if you would like to do that, if you would like to go out and participate uh, with the build building of the house here in Valparaiso for the family that needs it, uh, we would love to have you participate with with that. Uh, so just let us know. Let us know on that connect card. Say, dang it, I wanted to do one of those build days. I want to go help build the house, and, and I missed my chance to come this Friday, and uh, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Saturday. This, oh, it's Saturday. I keep saying Friday. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, this Saturday. Yeah, sorry. The last one was Friday. This Saturday apparently is full from people who've already RSVP'd. So if you wanted to do a future day, sorry, mixing up my days of the week. So I was, it was on Friday when I helped. It's Saturday this week, and um, and so if you're interested, though, we would love to get, and they would love to get you out there. So we still need all the volunteer help we can get. Uh, Habitat would be happy. Porter County Habitat would be happy to, to get you out there, train you in whatever it is that they're doing that day so that you can help. There's always work that can be done by unskilled laborers like myself. So um, I think that was the only thing I needed to let you know about, uh, other than the fact that these books are finally in. If you didn't grab one last week, uh, you can get one today. There are several of them out there on the table, and, um, and I think I've got a handful more in the office of the table. If you get out there and there are no more on the table, come grab me, and uh, I'll grab them out of the office for you. Uh, this book, Way, Truth, Life, Discipleship as a Journey of Grace, um, is something that we're, we're a part of the Church of the Nazarene, and there are people all around the world that are reading their way through this book, and... Um, going through this, these topics, this digging deeper into this idea of God's amazing grace and how this journey that Christ invites us on is a journey of grace. Uh, it's not one that any of us have arrived at the end of yet. Uh, we are all still continuing to grow, uh, not just by our own efforts, but by God's amazing grace that he gives to us. Uh, so I think you've got some, uh, some notes there for this morning's message as, uh, as we continue on this journey. And I think we'll have the scriptures on the screen, including this theme verse uh, where Jesus says to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is telling his disciples, look, if you want to know more about God, the God who's made us, the God who we call Father, uh, look to me. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Because as scripture says in several other places, Jesus perfectly reveals to us who God is. 
that he is the image of the invisible God. None of us have ever seen God, like God the Father, with our eyeballs, uh, or it'd be kind of like one of those Raiders of the Lost Ark moments, you know, your face melts off or whatever. Uh, but God has come to us in a way that we can see, in a way that we can encounter, and that's who Jesus is, showing us the love and grace of our Heavenly Father. So we look to Jesus. That's why we're Christians, those of us who are, is because we have seen in Jesus the love and grace of the God who made us. And uh, we've been looking so far in this, this series about how God has been seeking us out from before we were ever aware of him, uh, that from before we were even born, God has been at work in our lives uh, trying to lead us to him. His grace has been evident in our lives, and many times we can look back later and see uh, and say, wow, yes, that was God at work. God is the one who connected me with that person. God is the one who, who kept me from going down that road. God is the one who surrounded me with those people who helped me out of that, uh, that issue I'd gotten trapped in. Whatever it might be, we can look back and see, wow, God's grace has been at work in my life all the way up to today. And God's desire is he's trying to lead us to this moment of what we talked about last week where we encounter him in a saving way, where we turn to him and say, yes, please rescue me from this sin that I've trapped myself in, from this, uh, I, I thought I was doing my life my own way, I thought I was setting myself up to be king of my own life, but in fact I had just enslaved myself to, to passions, to, uh, to the devil, to whatever. I'd enslaved myself to other things, to evil. And God, I need you to rescue me. He's reaching out his hand to us in Jesus, and, and when we are willing to let him grab a hold of us, when we quit fighting him off, he, he forgives our sins. He, he takes what was dead and makes it alive. He, we find ourselves embraced by our Heavenly Father. Uh, if you missed last week's message as we looked at Luke chapter 15 and the stories Jesus told there, I, I encourage you, go back, watch that, uh, watch that message, and uh, trust in Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, accept, uh, accept the grace of God in your life. Let him uh, renew you and, and make you new. And see, the thing is, that's not the end of the journey, right? I mean, there's still three weeks left in this series. Uh, that's not the end of God's work in our lives. It's not that he just leads us to him, uh, and then we come to him, and we find our sins forgiven, and new life in him, and whew, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Life doesn't stop, right? I mean, we, we continue, and God has continued work he wants to do in us. He wants to make us look more and more like Jesus. He wants to transform our lives, and that process of him changing us, transforming us, the, the big word that uh, theologians tend to use is sanctification, it's this sanctifying grace. And sanctify is a word we don't use a whole lot. Uh, I forget now where it derives from in terms of the, the Greek and the Latin and all of that kind of stuff, but it basically means he's making us holy. I mean, that's, that's the basic meaning of that word, that God's grace is making us holy, making us more like him. And so just like this journey continues for us, the journey continues in the story of scriptures uh, it doesn't stop after Jesus dies and rises from the dead, right? The story continues. In fact, Luke, who wrote, uh, you know, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four Gospels in our, in our New Testaments, in our Bibles, that tell us the story of Jesus' life, his teachings, his miracles, all the cool stuff he did, his death, and his conquering of death in his resurrection. Um, Luke writes, goes ahead and writes the sequel, writes what we call the Acts of the Apostles, uh, and it's there in our Bibles. And it starts like this. I put it there in your notes. In my former book, Theophilus, it's evidently who he's writing this for, a name that means lover of God. Uh, it might have been his patron, might have just been the way he addresses all of us. He's like, if you're reading this, you must be a lover of God and you want to know more. In my former book, The Gospel According to Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still not quite clear on how this is all going to work. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. You know, which is a weird thing for those of us living in 21st century, thinking like, okay, so he went up and what? Like, floated in the sky, hid behind the moon? Where did he go? You know, we're, we're, we tend to think like, okay, we've seen rockets launch. He went, went somewhere. And uh, for them, this was, this was their way of understanding um, and the way that Jesus communicated to them, like, look, he has gone to where God is, in the heavens, to his heavenly throne, into the spiritual realm. And in the way they conceived of the universe, like, that's up there in the sky somewhere. Um, and so Jesus leaves. And um, the disciples are left with this promise. If we'll wait, we're going to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit will be, be the power to to continue the mission of Christ and to be his witnesses here in this town and in the surrounding area of Judea and in Samaria, the region next door, and to the ends of the earth. So, not much, not much later, if you, if you keep on reading, in Acts chapter 2, it says when the day of Pentecost came, which would have, if Jesus was with them for 40 days, Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, which is right around when Jesus died and rose again. So maybe 10 days that the disciples have to wait from the time that Jesus makes this promise and leaves them. If you keep on reading, it says they, they go back to Jerusalem, to the upper room where they were staying, and the disciples were there, uh, the women were there, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and other women were there. Those who had been following Jesus, committed to him, they're all waiting and praying, hoping, anticipating. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. At that point, I just think, sweet, that would be awesome, you know, to, to have been there on that day. Uh, it probably would have been terrifying. I mean, it's scary enough when, like, unexpected stuff happens. And uh, I think if we were here and all of a sudden there was, like, the sound of this, you know, hurricane blowing in, we'd be like, what is going on? And then there's fire. You know, and like it's coming and resting on their heads. It's symbolizing again that all this is symbolizing the presence of God's Spirit. Using images from the Old Testament stories that they had grown up hearing. And they're like, whoa, the wind of God is here. The flame, this is, and all of a sudden they're speaking languages they'd never learned. Well, he explains why that happens in the next verse. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Perhaps they had come for Passover and they've stayed until the Pentecost celebration. Maybe they just showed up late. They're here for Pentecost. Anyway. There are people, there are Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those, these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, 
we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. <laughs> just, just kind of a, a funny detail that, that Luke includes in the story. Like, eh, they're just drunk. You know. um, so apparently the scene is one in which, you know, it's, there's a bit of confusion going on. You know, the disciples, they're, they're in this room, and it must have been like kind of open balconies, open windows overlooking this courtyard area. That's kind of the picture that, uh, that most folks have come up with. There were these rooms kind of around the temple courts, and they must have been staying in one of those. And, and the crowd is there, and the crowd is gathering because there's all these guys shouting uh, about God in all these different languages. And as people are walking by, they're like, well, wait a second, one of those guys is speaking my language. And... Uh, have you ever been in one of those situations where a voice step jumps out at you? Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where most people are speaking a different language and suddenly someone's speaking English and there's something in our brains that's like, oh, oh, hey, oh, I understood that part. And, uh, and suddenly we start tuning in and, um, and we're like, oh, please, yes, I don't understand anyone's trying to tell me. I need to find out how to get on the subway and maybe that guy can help, you know, because uh, he's speaking my language. All these folks from all these different places are like, wait, wait a minute, that guy is speaking my language. And the guy next to him, oh, well, the dude in blue is speaking my language. And, and they can all, they're all hearing them declaring, what did they say they were doing? Declaring the, uh, oh, this just says speaking in other tongues. They heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, in our own languages. What does this mean? Some people, their explanation was, oh, they're just drunk. Then Peter stood up with the 11. You know, Simon Peter, we've, we've, seen him appear before in a couple of these stories. Um, he stands up with the 11, the 11 remaining disciples of the 12, because at this point Judas said, anyway, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Oh yeah, 929, okay. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And he, and he keeps on going, quoting from the prophet Joel of this, what was expected, that in the last days, God has said, the time is coming when the Holy Spirit won't just get poured out on this prophet or on that king or that anointed leader, that he will pour out his spirit on all people, sons and daughters, young and old. They will see vision. They will dream dreams. They will prophesy or proclaim the goodness of God. These things that the Holy Spirit enables people to do. It says this is coming for all people. And by the end of it, by the end of it, he, he goes on then to talk about Jesus and what God has done in Jesus. And, uh, and when people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? He says, well, repent, be baptized, and you'll receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off. And it says that 3,000 of them that day said, oh, I'm in. They, they came to that place, you know, where they said yes, and they experienced God's saving grace. And they began this journey with Jesus. Now, it's kind of amazing to me that this, um, that Peter is the one that's leading this charge. Uh, that Peter's the one that stands. It's not surprising that he's the one that stands up and speaks up, because that's what Peter did all along, right? If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter's the one all the time who's like, you know, opening his mouth, and, uh, and he's not afraid. He's not shy about getting out in front and, and about talking. But this is the guy who, not too much longer in the story, too much, not too much earlier in the story, uh, when Jesus was being betrayed, that Peter denies even knowing Jesus. 
three times. As Jesus is part of this midnight mock trial thing, that Peter's trying to, he's trying to stay close, trying to hear what's going on. As people are coming up to him saying like, hey, are, are you one of his followers? Like, mm, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't know him. I don't know him. Somebody else like, yeah, I think you do. You're Galilean, just like he is. I'm like, no, I, I promise. I don't, I don't know that guy. Three times he says he doesn't know him. Denies even knowing Jesus, and he feels horrible guilt, says he wept bitterly at his failure to stand up and be counted uh, among Jesus' followers. It takes Jesus uh, appearing again to him after his resurrection. There's actually at the end of John's gospel in John chapter 21, there's, there's this moment where Peter, they already knew that Jesus was alive. They'd already seen him, the risen Christ. And, and Peter's like, you know what, I'm going fishing. And he takes a bunch of the guys with him. He kind of returns back to what he knew before Jesus. I mean, fishing is what he had done. And now, like, Jesus has done whatever he's done. He's conquered death, and he's coming and going, and we're meeting, and all of a sudden Jesus is there, and then Jesus is leaving, and we're not sure what's going on. He's just kind of overwhelmed. He's figured out everything he can figure out, and he's like, I I guess I'm just going to go back and go fishing. And a bunch of the guys are out fishing, and Jesus meets them there. Again, just like God meets us in the reality in which we live. Even when we're confused and we're not sure what that next step is supposed to be, God meets us there, and Jesus meets them. They see him on the shore cooking some fish, and, and Peter, again, impetuous, I think, I think if I remember the story right, he like jumps out of the boat and swims, swims in, fully dressed. Um, and, uh, and they all bring their boats ashore, and Jesus kind of, uh, in our Bibles it often says that like, Jesus reinstates Peter, but basically Jesus just asks Peter repeatedly, like, do you love me? <laughs> Actually, asks him three times. The three, there were three times that Peter denied knowing Jesus, and three times Jesus gives him a chance to say, do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. And there's a whole lot more there. But This Peter, who had denied knowing Jesus, this Peter, who had just kind of returned back to what he had known before, now is standing up in front of thousands of people, proclaiming the good news of God, leading thousands of people to trust in Christ. Peter, you know, in some ways still the same impetuous, you know, bold, willing to open his mouth guy, but in other ways very different now. He, he never does go back to fishing after this. <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he, he knows who he is. He knows where God is leading him. The Holy Spirit leads him on an amazing journey from here. It doesn't mean he never makes mistakes. He still does. He still has some stumbles along the way. But he is led by the Spirit of God into this amazing new life, empowered by God's Holy Spirit. And this is an invitation that's open to all of us, to let God's Spirit lead us, to be changed by him, to look more and more like Jesus in fact, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, you've got there it says, And when you believed in Christ, he ident- identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Again, there'd been this promise. They'd been anticipating one day God is going to come. He's going to put his own spirit in our hearts. He's going to live with us. He's going to inhabit us in some strange way. And we'll be led by God's Holy Spirit. We won't have to wonder you know, God, what do you want me to do here? God, how, do, how am I supposed to live? He's like, he's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. Uh, Peter himself, in his letter, uh, one of the two letters we've got in our New Testament written by Peter, he, he says, obey God because you are his children. And you've been embraced by him. You've been adopted into his family. He's, you've had your sins forgiven, so you obey God. Don't slip back into your old ways of doing evil. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God, who chose you to be his children, is holy. For he himself has said, you must be holy because I am holy. We are called to a life 
that looks different than the life we lived before. You know, the journey doesn't stop with us finding our sins forgiven. It doesn't end with us having the weight lifted. It doesn't end with us, you know, being embraced by our Heavenly Father and, and being, you know, adopted into His family. That's not the end of the journey for us. That's, that's just a new beginning. Now there's a new opportunity for us to see our lives changed. He, he changes us from the inside out, the Bible says. He transforms our thinking, transforms our desires, making us into the kinds of people that, that want to follow him, that want to do his will. They could pray like Jesus prayed in the garden. You know, God, I, I, you know, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Like, I know you're my heavenly Father. I know that you love me. There's no question there. I want to tell you, here's what I would really like to see happen. You know, I don't want to have to go through what I'm going through. The path in front of me does not look good. Please, can you, can you pick a different path for me? But not my will, but yours be done. By God's Holy Spirit at work within us, we can become people that look like Jesus, who are willing to submit our will to his. Uh, I just recently heard somebody describe it as... Uh, like when we, when we get saved, when we come to this point of trusting in Jesus, it's like we say to him, Jesus, I want you to write my story, right? Uh, I, I want you to script the rest of my, I've been writing my story up to this point, I want you to write the rest. I'm gonna, I want to be a part of your bigger story. But sometimes we hang on to the pen, <laughs> just in case we want to write something ourselves in, you know. And, and God, by his grace, enables us to, to hand over the pen to him, to say, okay, I'm going to let you lead, I'm going to let you decide what gets written in, in my story from here on out. Now, it doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing, right? It doesn't mean we just, oh, man, we had some friends from college that uh, uh, got wrapped up in this uh, after they'd graduated. I think they graduated. I can't remember now. This is so long ago. I'm going to get the details wrong. But what I remember was friends who were still there, uh, still in that town, after we had moved away, were telling us about some of our friends from college. And like, hey, do you hear what they got wrapped up in? Like, no, what's going on? They listened to some guy that said, like, you really shouldn't do anything unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. And I think the idea of, like, okay, you write my story. Here, you got the pen. Okay. But they took it to the point of saying, like, so the phone rang, and they would say, okay, God, you want me to answer it? And if God didn't say answer it, they didn't answer it. You know, God, do you want me to wear socks today? If God didn't tell them to put on socks, they didn't put on socks. I mean, there's just, like, a, to every last detail of their lives. And what it led to was this really strange passive existence where, they didn't follow through on commitments. They didn't engage in life because they were constantly just waiting for God to tell them what to do every moment of the, of the day. And like there's a part of me that says, yes, we, we want to be led by God's Holy Spirit. Yes, we want to follow his lead. But that doesn't mean we just like sit still until he tells us to take one more step, you know, and then like, oh, okay, good. Can I take one more? You know, I think a lot of times God leads us and says, go that way, Right? Love your neighbors. Like, okay, I'm going to find ways to love my neighbors. And God, if you, if you send me a message along the way, I'll listen to that. But until then, I'm just going to do what you've called me to do. You tell me to go that way, I'm going to walk that way until I get there. You know? God is leading us. He is, he's transforming us by his Holy Spirit. Our life will look different, and that life will look more and more like Jesus. It's not just a passive sit-back life. Once God's Holy Spirit is, is given to us, and this says that when you believe in Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit, then it's a matter of following his lead. In fact, in the letter to the Hebrews, uh, it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. 
Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It says there's some effort involved on our part. Now, we don't accomplish it ourselves. We're not the ones sanctifying ourselves. God does this work. We're just cooperating with him. And when God gives us a challenging job, we have to make every effort to, to do what he's called us to do. Some of you know this. You, you know God has called you to something challenging, called you to, to drop some habit, to, to make a change in the way you approach a person. Um, any number of things that God challenges us to do that stretches us to do. It's like, if you're going to look like Jesus, that means you're going to relate to this person differently. That means you're, going to, that means you're not going to be uh, so consumed by this, you know, the way this consumes your time, your energy, your resources. You're going to let that go. And if you've been following Jesus long enough to have gone through this, you know that's not always easy. You might want to do that. You want to say, okay, so you do. You say, okay, God, I'm going to do that. I need your help because that's not easy to drop that habit <laughs> or addiction or whatever that might be. It's not easy to relate to this person differently because they keep being a jerk to me and that's, you know, what my natural response is to that God. And so it's going to take you changing me. It's going to take you helping me, you know, to not hit back, <laughs> to instead respond with love. And so we make every effort to cooperate with God's Holy Spirit leading us through life. And as we do, we find our lives being changed more and more, looking more and more like Jesus. In Galatians chapter 5, he describes it as, as well, he uses, he uses the language of journey, of walking. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, here's where I encourage you to read this book because they deal with that in this chapter uh, on God's sanctifying grace. Um, this idea of flesh and spirit. And the short version is this is not saying like your body, you know, uh, your flesh like your skin or your meat or whatever. You know, it's, it's saying that there's a life that is centered on me and centered on what I want. And then there's a life that centers on what God wants. There's a walking by the Spirit, you know, following the lead of God's Holy Spirit, and there's a life led by my own passions, desires, whatever. And what he's calling these Christians to do, just like we are called to do today, now again, these are Christians that he's writing to, right? These are people who have experienced God's saving grace. These are people who have been, had their sins forgiven, who are doing their best to follow Jesus, but there's still issues that they're working through. And he's saying, okay, well, the way this works is you walk by the Spirit. You, you center your life on the Spirit. You keep your mind focused on, on the Spirit, not just on what you want. He says if you, if you live a life focused on just doing what you want, he says the acts of the flesh are obvious, and he describes some of them, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I kind of like sometimes when he makes these little lists, and Paul likes to do this in his letters, uh, when he makes these little lists, there's almost always stuff in there that we, that we could focus on and say, oh, whew, good, not doing that. Man, man I'm not going not gonna to do those things. But there's almost always stuff in there that's like, oh, but that one's tempting. You know, oh, that's one that I find myself, you know, every now and then, you know, diving into. That's one that trips me up. And that's where God's Holy Spirit has a chance to speak through the scriptures. And their mind is like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's, when you, when you go down that path, that's you living for you. That's not you living for me. 
Be led by my Holy Spirit. <laughs> Walk by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead your life. When we do, he says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that shows up in our lives when we're led by him is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Patience is the translation I grew up right there. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. He's saying we have died to an old way of life where I'm in charge. We've died to an old way of life where, where I am king. We've recognized Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. I crucify that old life. I die to that. And I rise to new life with God by his Holy Spirit. And with time, as we cooperate with God's Holy Spirit. Um, now, another thing that they make clear in, uh, in this book, in this chapter, which I appreciated, was not just a, a matter of time. It's not just like, well, I've been a Christian for 10 years now, so I, you know, I'm doing better. You know? um, it's not just like, oh, I've been a Christian for a long time, so I must be more like Jesus. Because you've probably known people uh, who have been Christian for a long time, and they're still like, you know, sour. They're still you know, rotten, you know, or something, you know, they're, they're still the kind of, you're like, oh, God's still good, not finished with you yet, is he? Um, and some of us maybe have been like that. Uh, it's just like what people, um, what people say about a lot of different fields, uh, whether it's, uh, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your work, they're like, 10 years, is it 10 years of experience or is it one year of experience you've just repeated 10 times? Um, you know, some of us, we just, we just stay in those very beginning stages. We just kind of keep repeating the same little beginner stuff all the time. Instead of Trusting God to lead us to take that next step and, and to actually grow and to take that next step and we actually grow. We let him stretch us. We let him, we let him purify us. We, we cooperate with him and, and we let go of the stuff that he points out that we need to let go of. And we, we trust him in the ways we need to trust him. And, and if we do, we continue to grow. We continue to look more and more like Jesus. That's that sanctifying work that, that begins... As soon as we trust in Christ and we receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit, he begins making us holy, and, and it finally will conclude when we are face-to-face with Jesus. One day, we will finally, all the junk will be purified from our lives. You know, we will be perfectly, uh, you know, I think uh, the Apostle Paul said at one point, like, we'll, we'll be like him, you know, we'll see him as he is when we have this face-to-face encounter with Jesus. In the meantime, we've got the journey that he leads us on. And there are moments along that journey where we give ourselves over to him, you know, where we, where we have a moment saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to hand you that pen. Okay, I'm going to give you my future. I don't know what that's going to look like. There are, there are moments in there where we can entirely devote ourselves to God and to his spirit, to the work that he wants to do. And, and he does, in fact, change the desires of our hearts. He, he does, that purifying work does actually happen. <laughs> or what you want to do is please him. Where what you want to do is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What you want to do is love your neighbor as yourself. And at that point, it's just a matter of living it out, of learning more and more how, how to love your neighbors, how to love God. And as God leads you, you, you say yes, and you get into this, this lifestyle of saying yes to God, this life of walking by his Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And the life it leads to is, is beautiful. The community that is formed from that is a, is a beautiful community. Uh, it's, hmm, 
we were just uh, just this last Wednesday night, um, our Bible study. It's always a little bit open, open-ended. We never know what questions, what concerns people are going to bring, and so we just try to stay flexible, you know. And uh, and as people bring things up, somebody was bringing up something this last Wednesday night, and uh, and it was something they hadn't really talked about with many people before, and uh, and somebody chimed in. Somebody who's fairly new chimed in and said, "Hey, this this is a safe." place these are safe people this is a this is a community of people who care you know and that's that's what God forms us into I think it was last week that we're quoting one of the one of the scriptures that says that God is building us into his temple Uh, each of us is a kind of a brick in that temple Uh, this place where God God dwells and as we cooperate with God's Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit that lives within each of us. That little flame has come and, and landed on our heads. Man, that would be so cool to see. Anyway, um, we've received God's Holy Spirit, and as we cooperate with him, we as a, as a community become the kinds of people that others can, can walk into and say, wow, something, there's something different here. These are people who are willing to have those hard conversations with each other, but they do it graciously. They do it with kindness. They, they're willing to tell the truth to each other, but, but they do it in love. You know, these are people who are willing to, to, to share. They're, they give so freely of their time, of their, of their resources. These are people who are, man, they're not in it for themselves. They truly are in it for, for others. Um, <laughs> I'm just reminded all of a sudden that right now there are some, some friends of ours that are running the Chicago Marathon this morning for, uh, for Team World Vision. You know, and I've been seeing their stuff scroll through my Facebook feed as they've been talking about getting ready for the race and, and had the chance to donate to some of them to help them reach their, you know, goals. And, and uh, just like many of us participate in that 6K for water uh, in the spring, and we will have the chance to do that again this coming May, you know, they're running 26.2 miles this morning, not because it's some fun thing to do to run 26.2 miles, but because it gives them an avenue to raise some money to make a difference for people. Um, in other parts of the world, people who are dying without clean water. As we cooperate with God's Holy Spirit, we become the kinds of people who reflect the love and the grace of God to a world that so desperately needs it. You know, we are living in, in a world, in a culture that, uh, that really wants to draw battle lines and really wants to, to divide people, really wants to say, you know, I'm right and you're wrong and and because you're wrong, I don't want anything to do with you, or I hate you, or you're the enemy, or, you know. And here we are following, following a, a Savior who tells us to love our enemies, led by a Holy Spirit who, who leads us to be a part of a church that can include people uh, who cheer for the Bengals and who cheer for the Packers, people who, who vote and, and campaign for Republicans and vote and campaign for Democrats, and, and people who, you know, who can disagree on all kinds of things but can love each other because our hearts, our lives are centered on Christ. We are led by the same Holy Spirit. And we cooperate with him step by step, day by day, hour by hour. We cooperate with his work in our lives as he, as he purifies our hearts, as he makes us holy, as he helps us reflect the love and grace of God to our world. Um, I want to close the message with this. I might close the service with this later too. But uh, in one of his letters, the Apostle Paul just says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's bow our heads 
And let's pray. God, you know for some of us there's, there's real doubt in our minds right now that we could ever live a life that, that looks like Jesus. We know ourselves. We know our shortcomings. We know our short tempers. We know our, our weaknesses. We know our, our self-centeredness. God, we know ourselves. And we wonder, how could I ever live a life that reflects the love and grace of Jesus like I feel like I'm called to do? God, here we're reminded once again that you are faithful. You have called us to it, and you are faithful, and you will do it. So today, God, I pray that you would help us to to hand you the pen, (laughs) to let you write our story, to quit being uh, hung up on the baggage from our past that we carry with us, to, to quit letting that define our responses and our reactions and the decisions we make and the life that we live. God, I pray that today you would, you would help us to stay focused on the future that you have for us and the ways that your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives here and now today. God, we, we readily confess to you that we are people who need your grace and need your mercy. There's not a single one of us here who who think that we have got it all figured out and and are doing everything right. God, we we can look at our lives and we can see the ways that we have have not lived a life pleasing to you, have not lived a life that we would call holy, certainly not that you would call holy. We confess that to you, God, and we thank you as the scriptures say, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. And forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, God, for being compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Thank you, God, for meeting us where we are. By your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ present with us today inviting us into this beautiful future that you have for us. Thank you, God. Help us to have confidence in you and in your ability to transform our hearts, our minds, our lives, the ways that we live with the people around us. Help us, God, to be able to picture ourselves living differently, responding differently to that person, living more generously, living more graciously, exhibiting the fruit of a life that is led by your Holy Spirit. Help us, God, to be able to to picture this and then to believe that this really is the person that you are helping us to become. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence with us here today. You meet us right where we are, and we celebrate that with this uh, sacrament of communion today. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here with us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering that as he gathered with his disciples for that Passover meal, he, he took the bread and he, he reimagined this, not just as, as pointing to uh, a freedom from slavery in in Egypt in the past, but as a freedom from slavery to sin today. Jesus, you took that bread and gave it to your disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You gave them the cup and you said, 
This cup is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. And so, Jesus, we do come to you today, again, acknowledging our sin in need of your grace, grateful for your grace and your mercy and your love. We offer you ourselves today. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit's work in our lives, that we might find the, 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 the thoughts and motivations of our hearts purified by your Holy Spirit, that we might find our lives changed by you, that as you lead us step by step by your Holy Spirit, that we will find ourselves walking in this world as the body of Christ, willing to give ourselves for others, as you gave yourself for us. Thank you, God. Our confidence is not in our ability. Our confidence is in you. So it's in Jesus' name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we celebrate communion together, I'll be down here with a basket of bread and with a cup of juice. And uh, as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, we've got the regular bread and the, and the gluten-free wafers, and we've also got the little individually uh, packaged cups in here, if, if that's what you'd like. Uh, or if you really don't want to come and gather, we have them at the tables. Uh, you, can, you can grab those off a table, and as we sing, you're invited to, to, to partake, to celebrate together uh, by eating the body and drinking the blood of our Lord and, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks. Thank you again, God, for the amazing love and grace that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. That you would give your life for us, Lord Jesus, as we just sang, to pardon and sanctify us. Thank you for the continued work of your Holy Spirit in our lives as we trust and follow you. Fill us with your spirit, we pray, so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your sons and daughters, as people who carry your grace and your love to the people you will send us to this week. God, please, would you grant us the, the satisfaction, the, the joy of seeing you work through us, of, of seeing your work happening in us and through us. Thank you, God. We pray this again, confident in you and in your ability to sanctify us through and through. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God, thank you. Thank you.